One of the things that we just experienced just a moment ago is one of the delights when it comes to worship. And that is there are times when you come together in a corporate body and when you worship, it is, it is just filled with excitement and energy and you are just going at it with God. And then there's those moments it is really good to pull back and to sit in his presence and to think and to meditate upon what it is that God has done for us. And we get a chance, praise the Lord, thank you, Seth, on that, of being able to bring us in both parts of worship and to be able to do that so well. So this evening, I start with a little bit of a story. It is a modern-day story that illustrates an ancient biblical truth. I simply want to read it to you. A man from England decided to vacation through Europe by car, starting in Spain. Being accustomed to the finer things, he put his Rolls Royce on a boat and he sent it ahead of him. When he arrived in Spain, he picked it up at the docks and he began on his journey. And everything was going well until his car broke down about 50 miles away from the docks. He was in the middle of nowhere. He did not trust the local mechanics on his luxury car. He did not want to drive a rental. So he contacted the Rolls-Royce dealership in England and he said, my car broke down in Spain, what do you suggest? The Rolls-Royce representative was very apologetic and very quickly said, don't worry about anything, I will send a mechanic immediately. After flying all night, a Rolls-Royce mechanic met the owner, diagnosed the problem, repaired the car, allowing the man to continue about his vacation. When the vacation was over, the man arrived back in England expecting to find a substantial bill in the mail. Much to his surprise, there was no bill at all. He emailed the Rolls-Royce dealership to ask how much the bill would be and when it would arrive. He received this reply. Dear sir, there is no record anywhere in our files that anything ever went wrong with a Rolls-Royce. Thank you. When your cars start at 350000 it's probably bad PR to let anybody know there's mechanical issues. Now, whether the story is real or not is not really the focus at this point, but it perfectly illustrates a biblical understanding of a term called justification. A basic definition of justification, we're going to go through a number of these tonight, is just as though it never happened. When a person is justified by God, God no longer holds their sin against them, just as though it never happened. That is how the dealership responded to this man with his car repairs, just as though it never happened. Now, justification is one of those words that we have to take the time to understand. And I also want to say from the very beginning of this message, tonight is heavy in theology. Heavy in theology. Now, this morning, you all got a message heavy in application. Um, in fact, let me just pause here for just a moment. I preached a similar message about 10 years ago on discipline and children. And right after that service, one of the pastor's wives came to me. And apparently, in the middle of the service, her child was called out of a Sunday school class for fighting. And this mom told the child on the way coming out of the class, you picked the wrong Sunday to act up at church and took that child into the bathroom and 
applied what she just learned in the morning message. So this morning was heavy, heavy, heavy on an application side, and we need those kinds of messages. Tonight is heavy on a theology side. We need those as well. The issue is your actions flow out of your beliefs. If your actions are wrong, you start in the beliefs. What do I believe? What do I understand? What do I consider to be true? And tonight we're getting into a, a focus on this one piece of justification that it frees you up in so many other parts of your actions. If you've ever felt as though God is constantly mad at you, if you've ever felt as though you cannot live up to a standard, if you've ever beat yourself up before thinking, I don't even want to spend time with God because I know he doesn't want to see me. If you've ever beat yourself up saying, if I would have only applied truths from the Bible 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and, and you just keep going and you keep beating yourself up, here's all I can tell you. You need to understand justification. When you get justification, it will free you up to enjoy your relationship with God. So let me tell you what justification is not. Justification is more than forgiveness. That is, a person can be forgiven, they can sin again, and then become guilty once more. But when you have been justified by faith, you are never held guilty before God again. From God's perspective, it is like our sin, past, present, and future, has not happened. He has forgiven it completely. Justification is more than a pardon. When a governor or maybe an exiting president issues a pardon, they're not saying that the person is innocent. They are releasing that individual from any further punishment. A pardoned criminal still has a record. But in justification, God remembers your sins no more. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25. Justification is God's answer to a question that was asked by Job over 35 years, 3,500 years ago. That is, how can a person, how can a man be made right with God? And Habakkuk actually answered that from God's perspective. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, it says, The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. The just or the justified or the righteous shall live by faith. This concept of justification or righteous people living by faith is such an essential part of Christian theology that that one statement, the just shall live by faith, is broken down and explained deeply in three different New Testament books. What I mean by that is Romans gives the meaning of the just, chapter 1, verse 17. Galatians provides the meaning of shall live, chapter 3, verse 11. And Hebrews provides the meaning of by faith, chapter 10, verse 38. The just shall live by faith. This is all coming back to this focus on justification. Many of you who are, I guess, lovers of church history, you will recognize that it was the doctrine of justification it was the peace that freed up Martin Luther from fear as well as religious bondage. In fact, the calls of justification 
were those that were heard through the Protestant Reformation. That is a part of why we are in this room today, is that this is a truth. This is a piece of theology that has freed up believers, and specifically in the last 500 years. Not that it did not exist in the 1,500 years prior to that, but it has been emphasized more in Protestant churches in the last 500 years. The idea of justification by faith is central to the gospel message. It is vital to our identity in Christ. It is the epicenter of all positional truth. This evening, if you've never heard of positional truth, we're going to get a crash course in positional truth tonight. So those who understand justification, they are free to live unto God by faith instead of attempting to live for God by actions. Justification by faith is at the core of everything that the Bible teaches about the Christ life, about relational living, about the gospel, and about positional truth. This is kind of an initial piece in every bit of where your Christian life is built upon. So much that we get into tonight. So let me say again, heavy tonight on theology. I'm going to try my best to make it enjoyable this evening. I'm going to try my best to make it so it's understandable this evening. But I'm going to ask you from the very beginning, if you would, please give me grace as I get into this. And here's the reason I say this is so important for grace tonight. When you get into a topic like this, a shift of pronouns being said quickly in the moment can change meaning. So I'm going to try to stick closer to my notes as best I know how. I get excited and I come off page many times, but if I come off page and I use the wrong pronoun, please give me just a little bit of grace. If I use the long preposition in a moment right there, give me a little bit of grace on that. There's, there is a lot that we're unpacking this evening. So I invite you, if you would, to go with me in your Bibles. Galatians chapter number two will be in verses 15 through 21. I'm speaking this evening on the subject, like it never happened, like it never happened. Today we are laying a theological framework, we are establishing definitions, and we are also getting a basic understanding of justification. And two weeks from now, we're going to come back, finish out the rest of this chapter, and we are going to dig into the theological mystery of justification. There is a lot that's happening but a lot of that gets set up this evening. So that being said, look with me in your Bibles, if you would. Galatians chapter number 2, we'll start in verse number 15 all the way through 21. It says, We are Jews by nature and not sinners among the Gentiles. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified, there's that word, justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Since by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. Three times in one verse, you're running headlong into that word justified. Verse 17. But if, while seeking to be justified, do you all think he's got a focus here? He's honing in. Any, by the way, any time you see a word like that repeated multiple times, that's the time highlight it, underline it, pay close attention to it, because you'll find that's what the writer is wanting to get this point across. But if we, while seeking to be justified in Christ, we ourselves 
have also been found sinners. Is Christ then a minister of sin? May it never be. For if I rebuild what I have once destroyed, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. Let's pray. Father, we need your Spirit to guide us into truth tonight. God, would you protect my lips? Help me to have clarity of thought as I try to share an eternal truth of yours that makes a world of difference in how people live as followers of Christ. God, may your spirit move in this place tonight in a huge way. In Jesus' name, amen. So the word justified is found three times in verse number 16. It's found one time in verse number 17. When we're finished with this text in a couple of weeks, you're going to be able to go back and see how the argument that took place with the Jerusalem Council at the beginning of chapter 2, as well as this confrontation between Peter and Paul that is at the middle of chapter 2, are both issues grounded in justification. This is an entire chapter about justification. At the very end of this, we get into one of the most profound theological statements found anywhere in your Bible, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. It's one of the greatest theological statements in your Bible, and it's also one of those that believers struggle to live out every day. So let me just ask you, if it says, I have been crucified with Christ, what part of you just got crucified with Christ? When it says, I no longer live, what does that mean that you no longer live? See, these are the pieces. Remember, the entire focus of Galatians is bringing us back to the idea of the freedom that we have in Christ. It's helping us understand what it looks like to live out of our position in Christ. We are in Christ. Christ is in us. One of the things that I'm going to start building into our terminology from this point moving forward is it's going to talk about position and possessions. Position and possessions. Because of my position in Christ, these are my possessions in Christ. Did you know the Bible says you have everything you need in order for life and godliness? It says you are complete in Christ. Where did that come from? Your position in Christ. All of this is now flowing out of this concept of justification. So by the time we finish and we get to Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 in a couple of weeks, by the time we get there, that is going to be one of those statements that is so rich in theology, but it presumes you understand justification. So my job over the next couple of weeks is building in justification so that everybody in here, they're saying, I know what that means. I know how it's applied. I know where it fits into my walk with God. So for us to establish this framework, I'm going to ask several questions. Here's our first one. What is justification? 
What is justification? I'm going to be giving you three definitions on this tonight. Here's your first one. I've already shared it one time. A very basic definition is just as though it never happened. Just as though it never happened. Very, very basic definition. Now, we can expand upon that, and I actually have this listed as a slightly more refined theological definition, just slightly. I mean, we're not, we're not digging deep quite yet, but we're, gonna, we're kind of branching out a little bit. And that is a slightly more refined theological definition is it is the declaration that somebody is in the right. Justified means to declare a person right or to make him right. So that's a little bit more defined. Christians are declared right before God when they place faith in Jesus Christ. Prior to that moment, we are declared sinners and guilty before a holy God. We are under God's condemnation. We are under God's wrath. We are under God's judgment. We are without excuse, and we would spend eternity separated from our creator if it were not for the grace and the mercy of God being extended to us. And it's in the process of salvation that the righteousness of Christ is going to be imputed. You're going to hear that word tonight more, imputed. It's going to be credited to our account. We go from being spiritually bankrupt, sinners, condemned, guilty, to be spiritually flush. We are rich in the wealth of Christ. We have the righteousness of Christ has now been applied to our account. So when God looks at you, you maybe heard this before, when God sees you, he sees you through the lens of Christ. Now what does that look like on a practical level? Because if we say that's how God sees us, and then you get back before God, and you're like, oh, God, I'm just a sinner. I just can't get my stuff together. I just, I got problems. I'm embarrassed to be around. What you're saying is, I don't truly believe what you just declared about justification. He sees us now as those who are in Christ through the lens of his son. That's a part of what it is being justified. So now you have a basic definition. You've got a slightly more refined theological definition, and now I'm going to give you a more fully developed theological definition. I know. I'm progressive. Okay, here it is. That can be taken a number of ways. In this moment, as I am teaching this text, let me kind of say that. So here is a little bit more theological definition. Justification is the act of God whereby he declares the believing sinner righteous in Jesus Christ. I'm going to share that again. Justification is the act of God whereby he declares the believing sinner righteous in Jesus Christ. Now, every word of that definition is important. Every single word. Justification is an act. It is not a process. That is, there is no Christian who is more justified than another Christian. It is an act. In fact, Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Having therefore been once for all justified by faith, we have peace with God. Once for all. Justification is an instant and immediate transaction between the believing sinner and God. Now, justification is an act, here it is, of God. 
of God. It is not a result of our merit, not a result of our works, our religiosity, our morality, any of those things. Romans chapter 8 verse 33 says, God is the one who justifies. It's an act of God. We need him to declare a person justified. God in his grace, he put our sins on Christ on the cross and he also put Christ's righteousness into us, that is, deposited into our spiritual bank account. If you're looking for a reference there, put down 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It is an act of God. Justification is an act of God whereby he declares, that is the next word, God declares the believing sinner righteous. Listen closely, listen closely to this phrase. He does not make him righteous in justification. Let's pause here for a moment. Justification is focused on the moment of salvation. Sanctification is focused on the process of becoming like Christ. Those are two different theological terms. So justification helps us understand what God did for us at the moment of salvation. That is, when you understand that, you see how God sees us in Christ. Before a person plays faith in Christ, he or she stands guilty before a holy God. The moment they place faith in Christ, he or she is declared not guilty, and listen, and can never be made guilty again. Here's what it says, Romans 8.1. Put the reference down. There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Position in Christ, in him, in the beloved. Ephesians, go back, highlight every time it says in Christ, in him, in the beloved. That's positional truth. Now, the final part of our definition states that God justifies believing sinners, not good people. Why is that so important? Because Romans chapter 4 verse 5 tells us God justifies the ungodly. To be justified by God requires that we admit that we're a sinner. Remember, this is going into salvation. It requires a person to understand that they have sinned before a holy God. If somebody does not admit that they are a sinner, they will not see the need for a Savior. They have to first recognize their sin is an offense against a holy God. So Matthew chapter 9, Luke chapter 18, they teach that sinners are the only kind of people Christ saves. In fact, here's what Jesus said, Mark chapter 2, verse 17. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So here's why it is so important that we dig this out early on recognizing your sin and repenting of your sin are foundational in how we need to share the gospel with people. If people don't recognize sin and they don't recognize it as offense to a holy God, they make a decision in the moment, but there is no change that happens. There has to be repentance that takes place in a person's life. And if a person doesn't understand that their sin is an offense to a holy God, 
If a person does not understand that their sin has separated them from their creator, if a person does not understand that their sin has doomed them to a life separated from God in hell, if a person has no grasp of the magnitude of their offense, then they will think that God got a really good deal when he brought them into the family. And they walk in pride when they should be walking in humility. When we understand the depth of our depravity before God, when we understand that apart from God's grace on our behalf, then we would all split hell wide open. When we understand the breath that we breathe has been graciously extended by the very God that we have rebelled against, when, when we understand those things, it changes how we live. The person, listen, the person who is claiming to be a Christian but does not understand their sin before God, that same person will feel as though worship is going to wear them out. They, they get upset when they're asked to serve. They think that it's too much to ask a person to spend time in the Word and to spend time in prayer. They think that giving is what other people should do. They think that it is below them to serve the least of these. But you know what? When a person understands where God found them and what God has done for them, their only response from that point forward is, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. But it starts with understanding where he found us. Here it is. Until you know how bad the bad news was, you'll never know how good the good news is. you got to know where he found you. That's, that's one of the problems that happens in Christianity. People forget where God found them. Once you get around Christians... And once you start talking the lingo, and once you start getting into the Christian routines, it's so easy to blend in with the crowd that you forget the place he found you. And you forget what he's done for you. And you forget how he saved you. And you forget what your thought life was like and, and how your, your sleep was disrupted and how you had no purpose and, and how you wrestled wondering, am I saved? Am I lost? Am I going to be okay before my creator? What happens when I die? All of those things, they get so far pushed out of our minds when we forget where he found us. That's one of the wonderful things about theology. It brings you back to the place where Jesus came for you and remind you of what he has done on your behalf. Here's a statement. I wrote it down in my notes. You might like it. You might get upset with it. <laughs> you all should be used to this in three and a half months, but here's just, here's a piece. This is about the church as a whole in America. I'm specifically speaking in America. Easy beliefism has led to consumer-driven churches filled with me-focused people who understand neither the essence of the gospel that saves nor the greatness of God who calls. Easy beliefism. It's the idea of if you just pray this prayer, you'll be okay. If you don't understand the gospel, you will pray a prayer and be just as lost on the other side as what you were before. But when you understand the gospel 
and God gets all up in your spirit and he begins to convict of sin, you're never the same again. Justification should not be confused with forgiveness. That is the fruit of justification. Justification should not be confused with atonement. That is the basis of justification. I know we're throwing out a lot of words here, but I promise we'll work our way through. Here's the next piece. How does justification align with positional and conditional truth? For those of you who have never heard of positional or conditional truth, here is a very quick overview. Positional truth declares our eternal standing in Christ. Conditional truth defines our current state in the flesh. My standing is both perfect and permanent. My state is both imperfect and temporary. Our condition with Christ should flow out of our position in Christ. We do what we do because we are who we are. Now, I'm going to pull these ideas out just a little bit more. Here's some other characteristics of what I would consider to be positional truth. That is, positional truth, it is non-experimental or experiential. That is, it consists of facts about us that might not be felt by us. So, for example, when the Bible calls a believer a saint, you might not feel like a saint, because you know everything going on in your head. You know everything that you're doing. And in that moment right there, you're like, I don't feel that. That's the thing about positional truth. Positional truth is not based on an experiential moment right there. It is based on the eternal truths of God. Here's another part of that. Positional truth is not progressive. It is complete and cannot be improved upon. The moment you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you are in Christ and Christ is in you. There's immediately different truths that now impact your life in Christ. It's immediate. Positional truth must be learned through revelation of Scripture. you got to be in the Word. You have to be studying the Word. And as you read it, God continues to reveal more. Positional truth is acknowledged through faith as we believe what the Bible says. When you go back to some of the older theological books, they call these reckoning truths. That is, you believe it. You reckon them to be true. It's not a a situation of it may be, it might not be. No, these are truths that need to be believed. Positional truth is not related to human merits. This is what God has done for you, not what you are doing for yourself. Positional truth, it fully satisfies the demands of a perfectly holy God. Now bring all of that information back to what the text says. Through Christ, work on the cross, God justified us, not holding our sins against us, but imputing Christ's righteousness to us. That does not mean that a Christian is going to be sinless. It means that a Christian, here it is, is declared sinless in Christ. Declared, that's a different piece. Positional truth is the beginning point that comes back to justification. 
We are declared innocent and righteous before God. It is a legal declaration of how God sees us based on our new identity in Christ. When the Bible speaks of our standing, it starts with justification, the declarative act of God. When the Bible speaks of our state, it refers to sanctification, the ongoing process of the Holy Spirit. Justification is a glimpse of the finished work. Sanctification shows the work in progress. All right. Now, if you made it through those couple of pieces, let me give you a little quote. This is, this is your prize on the other side of going through all the theology. Here, here's a quote from one of my favorite books. Um, it is entitled The Complete Green Letters by Miles Stanford. I want you to listen to the way he weaves these two concepts together. To be justified means that a believer is viewed in Christ as righteous and is treated as such by God. God sees us in the position of being declared righteous. Since justification is in Christ and not in ourselves, it is a truth of position, not condition. It is a fact believed, not an experience received. We do not wait to feel justified. We believe the fact. Justification has nothing to do with our condition, but everything to do with our position. However, as we rest in our justified position, our spiritual condition is affected. We experience the peace, joy, and love of the Lord. End of quote. Now that brings us to our next question. What difference does justification make? What difference does it really make? Justification is largely a legal term. Justification, listen closely here, does not affect change. It changes status. It carries a guarantee of other change in the future. So let me illustrate that in two different ways. When I marry a couple, I will get all the way to the end of a ceremony. They are standing there before God and between, before family and friends, and they're reciting vows, and I get all the way to the very end, and I'll say something like this. As a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and by the power vested in me, hey, now by the state of Georgia, that's new, that's new, <laughs> I now pronounce you husband and wife. And in, in an instant, they are legally husband and wife. Seconds before they were engaged, at that moment, they are now married. Here's what happened. Their character did not change in that moment. Their status changed before God and before the law and before family and friends. There was a legal change that happens in that moment. Now, that same change, legal change, implies a lot of future changes as well. Here's a second example. When a jury foreman reads a verdict in a trial, in that moment, the defendant is no longer the accused. Legally, he or she becomes either guilty or innocent. Now, while nothing changed in that person's nature, his status changed in the eyes of the law. Does that make sense? So justification is on the side of status change. It, it is how you are viewed in that moment. Biblically speaking, justification is the divine verdict from God that you and I have been declared not guilty and fully righteous in Christ because of what he has done for us. It is a spiritual reversal of God's attitude 
prior to Christ. We once lived under God's wrath. Now we live under God's blessing. Our status has changed because of justification. Our identity has changed because of justification. Our identity is the basis for everything that we have, everything that we enjoy, and everything that we experience as a believer. All of this is coming back to justification. Now, based on what you have already heard, the next question should be very easy. Is justification different than sanctification? Yes, absolutely. In justification, God imputes righteousness into the believer's account, Romans 4, 11. In sanctification, God imparts righteousness to the believer's actions, Romans 6, 1 through 7, chapter 8, Verses 11 through 14. Let me pause here for just a moment. Now those two words, impute and impart. Chances are you've heard them pop up multiple times in services over the years. I want to try to give as clearly as I can one of the best explanations I've found for this. Imputed righteousness is the righteousness of Jesus credited to the Christian, enabling the Christian to be justified. Imparted righteousness is what God does in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit after justification, working in the Christian to enable and empower the process of sanctification. In other words, one part, he is changing status, he is imparting our position, and the next part, he is changing character by his Holy Spirit so that our character over time aligns with our position in Christ. Does that make sense? Lord willing, the further you walk with Jesus, the more like him you become. That is sanctification. It is only made possible by the Holy Spirit's work. That is what God is imparting into your life by the power of the Holy Spirit on an ongoing basis. But at the moment of salvation, these things have been imputed. They have been credited to your account. You didn't work for them. You didn't earn them. But hey, catch this, catch this. What does it tell us about sanctification? Work out your salvation in fear and trembling. You know what happens when it comes to sanctification? you are beginning to work out through the Spirit's power what he has worked in at the point of salvation. Now, why do I say you got to work it out? Because nobody's going to do your Bible time for you. Nobody's going to pray for you. Nobody's going to repent of sin on your behalf. Nobody is going to serve when God's telling you to serve in that place. There's things you work out under the power of the Holy Spirit in obedience to his word. That's a part of the sanctification process all right now those two terms that we have justification and sanctification i want to say this justification changes our standing sanctification changes our state justification is an event sanctification is a process justification is what god has done sanctification is what god is doing now those two terms can never be separated They are two rails on the same track. God does not justify anyone that he will not sanctify. Nor is he sanctifying anyone he is not first justified. Both of those go hand in hand. Last one and we close. Why is justification important? Justification is at the heart 
of the believer's security. Until a believer is sure of their standing, they're not going to do a lot of standing. Until you know how God sees you, you run in fear more than what you stand in faith. Until you understand what God did for you at the moment of salvation, listen, you're asking God to do for you what he's already done. Did you know a lot of times our prayer life is we're praying for things that God's already given us? When we pray and we say, God, would you allow your spirit to be with me today? It's already there. When we pray and say, God, would you, would you work in my heart in a way in which I understand the depth of your love and your mercy for me? He, he's been doing that since day one. Most of the time, what we need to do is say, God, would you help me to recognize what I already have in Christ? <laughs> We're not asking him for something new. We're asking him to help us see what we have in Christ. Without justification, there is no salvation. There is no sanctification. There is no glorification. Now, why do we take so much time to explain this one concept? Because it is at the beginning step in which your Christian life is built. If you don't understand justification, you will not know much of what God has done for you. You will not understand how God sees you. You will not understand what you have in Christ. You will always feel like you don't measure up, and you will always feel like God is constantly mad with you. If you get nothing else out of tonight, let this sink in. For those who repent of their sins by placing faith in Jesus Christ, God declares you not guilty. Your sins have not only been forgiven and forgotten, he made it as though they never happened. Justification is strong. When you drudge up pieces of your sinful past, it's almost like God saying, I don't understand what you're talking about at this point. That's already under the blood. When you say, God, I, I've messed up 10 years ago and 20 years ago, and God, I just can't get past that. What you're, what you're saying in that moment is what you did for me was not enough to release me from that. This is not a truth to be felt. You might feel like you really messed up and that God can never forgive you. This is one of those things you take by faith. That what he has declared is true and I'm going to reckon upon that truth I'm going to stand in that truth if somebody does not understand justification they will continuously doubt their salvation they go back and forth you know why because every time they do something bad they'll say I could never be a Christian and do that but when they understand what Christ has done they say you know what it was not about what I did it's about what he did on my behalf I'm placing faith in that. And God, I pray that by your spirit and through grace, I will not do that again. And I thank you for the forgiveness that I already have in Christ. Amen. I'm going to tell you, it begins in these areas of theology. Our actions flow out of our beliefs. Our beliefs have to be grounded in the truths of God's word. I'm going to encourage you, sit with these truths. Ask God 
to help you to believe what he has already declared. Ask God to open your eyes to positional truth as you study his word. And here it is. And enjoy the freedom that you have in Christ. Let, let an understanding of theology lead into worship when you spend time with him tomorrow morning. You know, sometimes the best way to start your quiet time is to start in worship, thanking God for what he has done. We've got much to be grateful for. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the evening. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to know you. And God, we recognize there's some deep, deep pieces of theology that we study in your word, and every single bit of it is essential. Lord, may we not run from the hard truths, but when we don't understand, may we lean in a little bit further and ask you to help help us to understand. God, may you do a work deep in our hearts, and God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.